from Relay FM. This is Upgrade, episode 165, the iPhone X review. Today's show is brought to you by Blue Apron, Bombfell, and Encapsula. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Mr. Jason Snell. Hello, Jason Snell. Hello, Mike Hurley. How are you? I'm very well, but literally nobody cares about that today because we have a huge yeah. show. But I'm going to start with an iPhone X related hashtag Snell Talk question, which was sent in a long time ago, but I've waited for today. This comes from Frank. Frank wants to know, which Animoji, Jason, is your favorite? Um, I got to go with the monkey. I think you've got to. You've got to. The monkey is my favorite. I mean, because uh, first off, monkeys in general are kind of my favorite. And the monkey emoji is one that I really like. And uh, I I enjoy that monkey. I, there are a lot of good emojis. I, I will say this. I think some of the Animoji are more expressive than others. Like, I really like the robot, but it's a robot. What can they do with it? Whereas, yep. like, yep. the fox is super expressive the fox is so cute right and and and, um i mentioned this in the review but uh one of the things that i I think the most impressive thing about animoji is not the face tracking i think it is the character animations that happen like there is a lot of personality that was put into those animations they do some amazing things interpreting certain facial features as other features mapped to like like the big ears on the top of the fox and they do things when you like change your forehead and it's it's crazy so um so yeah i i I say i like the monkey because it's a monkey but uh the i I think over time we may come to appreciate certain animoji as having a kind of amazing uh animation in them that makes gives them even more personality but yeah it's totally the monkey what which which monkey did I use in my video? <laughs> or which Animoji did I use in my video? The monkey, of course. Goes without saying, really. Um, I have yet to see anybody, uh, well, this is mostly you, so you need to rectify this at some point, to send me the unicorn, because I think the unicorn is going to be what I end up going with. Um, but I haven't seen a unicorn yet. Nobody sent me a unicorn. So we are, of course, thank you, Frank, by the way, for sending in that hashtag Snell Talk question. If you mm. want to uh, open the show with a question to Jason, just send a tweet with the hashtag Snell Talk in and it will open a future episode of the show. Of course, we are talking completely about the iPhone 10 today because Jason has a review that he has published and we're going to be going through and kind of filling in some of the gaps and getting some more color, um, maybe a seventh color. Uh, to round out everything about the iPhone 10, but I guess we should. It's start. all infrared. It's all infrared. Uh, the color is infrared. It's a hidden wave. Yes, version. but we should start at the beginning, and we should start at the point when you picked up your iPhone. So I assume you went back to the spaceship. Uh, I did not. I went to Infinite Loop. I just oh. went to the briefing center in Infinite Loop. I I think they're prepping the visitor center to open, <laughs> so so maybe they can't just camp out in the visitor center again. And and I, my impression is that there are not a lot of people in at the spaceship yet. I will say though, um, people a lot of people. There's a conspiracy theory that the reason we didn't record the show on Monday was because of this, and it's not true. I went to a wedding in Rhode Island on Sunday. Um, our our friend and colleague Serenity Caldwell. Congratulations, got Serenity. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and so I came back very early Monday morning. That was always the plan. I mm-hmm. made my reservations a whole long time ago, and I was going to be in the air when we did this. And I just said, let's just do it Tuesday. And you're like, all right, let's do it Tuesday. Not a problem. Um, and then I got a call from Apple saying, would you like to come down Monday afternoon? So I literally just w- got to the airport and drove south instead of north and went to Apple. But um, as we're coming in to San Francisco airport, I opened the, the shade on the window and between the fog and the clouds and stuff, I 
I was looking to try to see where we were in the Bay Area, like playing that game of like, can you spot where you are? And it was, you know, a lot of buildings and some freeways. I'm like, what am I looking at? Is this the East Bay? We usually come down over the East Bay and then across the Bay and then land in San Francisco. And I was like, I'm not quite sure where this is. And then you know what I saw, Mike? I saw a giant ring (laughs) building. And I thought, oh, I know where we are. (laughs) And you were instantly reminded that you had to get to work. Yeah, so I flew above the spaceship, but then I drove to Infinite Loop and uh, and got a briefing, and then I came home, and uh, then I put together a review and went to bed at 3 a.m., because that was when the embargo was. So you have had your iPhone for 24 hours at this point, right? Oh, it's less than that. It's it's it's. I got it at, at like 1.30 or 2 in the afternoon, and it's as we record this, it's not yet 10 in the morning, mm-hmm. so... Um, so yeah, it's more like twenty eighteen to twenty hours ago. I got the I took took the iPhone ten into my heart and also put it in my pocket. Yes, this is a new direction from Apple. It seems this time that I think they're focusing on getting these smaller reviews out first and then maybe pushing out for content later. We'll see if this is something that sticks, but they definitely made a change this time. It's unusual. The the part about this that's they always choose interesting outlets from time to time. That that just happens. Mm-hmm. That they choose. They try to push it outside the usual. Um, they've done that for a while now. I'd say what the big difference was this time is I can't remember the last time they had a universal embargo with different um, hardware procurement times. Sure. I mean, yeah. no, that's that's the thing is I can't remember the last time there was an embargo that everybody followed. But some people had it for a day. Some people had it for a week. That's a little unusual. Usually the people get it well in advance. Their embargo drops. And then everybody else just sort of gets handed a unit and says, write about it whenever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't do that this time, which is a little bit different. But they're trying different stuff. So I was, I was very happy to have the opportunity to be under embargo. It's been a while since I did a, an embargoed iPhone review. I think it's been since three years ago when the 6 came out, I had an embargoed review, which was right on the cusp of me leaving Macworld and doing 6 Colors. So I re- actually wrote on 6 Colors. That was the impetus for launching 6 Colors when I did, instead of giving myself a few weeks off from being an internet personality, was that I had that review and we talked about it on, on Upgrade Episode oh, yeah. 1. Episode 1 was an embargoed iPhone review. I c- That's totally right. forgot about that. But but I also wrote about it for Macworld because it was originally supposed to be for Macworld. So we kind of made a deal where I wrote some stuff for them and some stuff for Six Colors. And we talked about it in an upgrade. So it's been three years since uh, since I had one of these. So I wanted to make the most of it, even though I didn't. I had a limited amount of time. Uh, for what you're able to say, was, was there anything interesting that came out of the briefing? Was there any kind of mention of the pre-order demand? Did they? Was there anything no. specific that Apple wanted to go over with you, or was it pretty standard fare? It's a product briefing, so they're basically focusing on the product. It's a lot of stuff. You know, I was I was actually there with somebody from broadcast journalism, and I, I it's always a reminder that one of the reasons they go over all the features that they mentioned at the keynote is because people who don't do this as their primary job, but it's just one of many, many things they cover, they need the refresher. Um, so there's a lot of coverage of things that we already know. Um, and then one of the nice things about the product briefings is that they have details and they know that we want little tidbits. So I got some tidbits about like details about how, about the infrared sensor and how the camera differs from the eight and how, uh, what was it? Some of the gestures, like I didn't know that, that, uh, reachability still exists, but it does. And I actually turned that on for my iPhone 10. And that was something that the person in the briefing room told me. So, um, so yeah, that's that's the nice thing about the briefing. Apple Apple's one of these companies. It's not like our friend uh, Andrzej Tomic talks about how um, in in Slovenia he'll review phones and he literally like gets get a, gets a paper 
sack full of phones. <laughs> they said, go review these. And uh, with Apple, it's very much like Apple doesn't want to just give you the product. They don't want to just FedEx it to your house. They want you to come to them and sit in a room and have them tell their story to you. And, you know, you can then do whatever you want, but they want the opportunity to set the story. They always want to do that. That was, I remember I, at one point at Macworld, we had like a handshake agreement with Apple that um, was basically like, we're going to give them the opportunity to, to uh, give us a product briefing because there were a couple products where they didn't brief us and, or they wanted to brief us late. And, you know, we... We, were, we just ran out and bought the product and wrote a review really fast, and that really frustrated them. And we're like, guys, we got to review the product. And so we sort of made a deal where we were going to um, give them the opportunity to give us a briefing, and sort of in exchange, they were going to get us the products sooner. And that was the thing we did. But they, they have that's a cultural thing with Apple PR to this day, which is they want to they want to give you that. They want to set the stage. They want to they want to make sure you hear their side of it before you go off and do their review. And so that's that's a big part of the product briefing process. We should probably just start talking about the phone, right? I think so. I think we've done our pre mm-hmm. pre pre phone theatrics are now done. So I have a bunch of different sections that I want to talk to you about. And I guess the first one is kind of the the physical size of the phone, Um, because this is a new physical size as it sits kind of in uh, scale between the the 8 and the 8 Plus. So I kind of first off wanted to know how it feels in the hand. What is the width like? What is the height like? How does it feel to to hold and use this phone as compared to the, the 8 and the 8 Plus, which you just reviewed? Um, it's, it is a slightly wider iPhone 8, basically. It is, if you were to hold it, just like a blind test, if you just sat in a chair with your eyes closed and somebody put a phone in your hand, you would say this is, and you didn't know the existence of the iPhone 10, you would say it's an iPhone 7 or 8, right? You would say, or 6, it is, because it's only what is it like a, a couple of millimeters i i had somebody say hey thanks for the metric but it's like fractions of inches are so ridiculous that i find millimeters actually even as an uh, an awful american i prefer the millimeters to say it's three and a half millimeters wider which is nothing right it's 0.14 inch which is totally meaningless to me which is why i say that, say it in millimeters so it's basically as wide uh as the iphone you know small size iphone um, it's taller, but it's not wider. So, and for me, my challenge with the iPhone Plus mo- models was always like it was. It, I, I would have to expand my hands so much to get around the phone. I never felt like I had a really great grip on it. And then at that point, my thumb, because my my hand was, you know trying desperately to hold on to it my thumb had very little movement so at one-handed use of the phone was really limited which was always my frustration that's not an issue the the width is not an issue with the with the 10 it's it's you know you will if you pay attention you'll notice it's a little bit wider but it's it's very little bit it's it just put in perspective the the uh, plus is more than seven millimeters wider than the 10 so it's a lot like it's so it's three and a half wider than the the eight but the but seven narrower than the eight plus, so it's definitely on the side of the smaller phone. Yeah, definitely, it's, it's definitely edging towards that. But so, what about the height though? Like, how easy is it for you to go up and activate notification center? Is this something that you are finding difficult? Is it more or less difficult than the plus models? How is that feeling for you in a usability standpoint? Well, it's less difficult than the plus models, but it is more difficult. And this is one of the things that I that I struggled with yesterday is. I realize that I am 
I do a lot of my iPhone stuff with one hand where I am sort of flicking around on the screen with my thumb. And that's one of the reasons why I like the smaller phone, because I can reach most places. I can barely reach the top of the phone uh, with my thumb on the uh, on the seven and the eight um, on the 10. I can't like it's it's like a whole whole, whole row <laughs> of the home screen that I cannot reach. In fact, to the point where I've already decided I'm probably going to need to re lay out my home screen to push uh to put first off to leave the to um fill the empty row at the bottom and put the most important apps toward the bottom because um (laughs) if i want quick access to the phone app which is in the top row forget it like i will need to either readjust my grip or i will need to uh call you know send for the other hand (laughs) to stop whatever it's doing and uh you know get in a car and drive over to where the other hand is Mm -hmm. and tap something on the phone which again it's not a problem welcome to my three years ago jason yeah right this is this is what everybody did when they got plus models right You, you rearrange your home screen a little bit to to fit that bit better because it's not just that the 10 is taller, right? The 10 is a little bit taller, but the 10 screen, if you imagine the 10's a little bit taller than the than the 8, but the screen goes all the way to the top. So yeah. all that area that you've got the bezel in the uh in the uh, 8 or the 7 or the 6, uh that screen too. So it's that much more tall. And so so reaching all the way up there is an issue, which is why I mentioned reachability earlier. You can turn on an accessibility uh, reachability, which now that there's no home button, it is one of a litany of things that they've had to remap to a new gesture. In this case, they've got this sort of gestural area down at the bottom of the screen where there's this white bar at the very bottom that is your indicator to flip up to go to the home screen or to unlock the phone if it's locked. Um, You can also, one of the gestures there, if you turn it on, is you kind of like flip down in that area and reachability triggers, and it's like you're saying, uh, "Come, come on down, <laughs> come on down." Rest of the screen, I need you. But um, it's also entirely possible that uh, with a little bit of retraining of muscle memory, I will start doing more of a, you know, hand shimmy kind of thing, or I'll hold it a little bit higher and uh, stop using my pinky as like the maintainer of the, like the kickstand that maintains its place in my hand. There's, you know. You know, I may change my method of holding the phone in order to in- in- optimize for this size. I don't know. But that was the first thing that leapt out at me is um, one-handing an iPhone at the top of the, the interface is not happening, at least not yet. So reachability, using the second hand, moving things down on the screen, all of that stuff is in play. I will say I expect that you will you will end up finding a way to do it one-handed because I remember going mm-hmm. through all this stuff and I can activate all of this stuff one-handed. You just kind of adjust and contort your grip into different yeah. ways, right, which end up being, oh, you hold your phone slightly differently because you want to reach more of the screen. And that's always the challenge when you've got a product, not even just for a day, but even if you've got a product for a week, is that's not living with it. Like living with it... it over time you will adapt like your muscle memory will adapt to the new thing and a new thing is always going to be um frustrating at first i got a new this is a very brief tangent i got a new mechanical keyboard to try um the other week because i like mechanical keyboards and this one's got you know my my other keyboard is like missing lots of keys which i've mapped around but it is a little bit weird so i got one that's got more keys in it and i used it for like two or three days and i i I wanted to throw it 
across the room because like it was in the wrong place and I wasn't sitting in the right place and it made my hands uncomfortable and it made moving the trackpad uncomfortable, all of these things. And I was like, you know what? It's change. You got to deal with it. And I like, I stuck with it and now it's fine. Like I, I, I got through that process and I, I probably, it, it didn't change, right? It's still a hunk of plastic. I changed where I positioned my hands and where I positioned my chair and I adapted until I found even unconsciously, right? Found a place that was comfortable. And with a phone, I mean, what is more, um, where, where do ergonomics matter more than something like uh, holding a phone, like your finger placement and, and the angle of your wrist, like all of that is something that you may not think about it, but you have a preferred style of doing it. And then you get a new phone that kind of changes it and you got to adapt. What are your thoughts on the colors? So I'm a, as you know, I am a big proponent of the Darth Vader phone. Like I loved the original um, black iPhone 5 because it was just like super black. And then they made it lighter space gray later, but the first one was like super black. Um, I like that. I had the Jet Black 7, loved it. So my order that I placed, which since I was on the East Coast, I got to I got to experience the 3 a.m. Apple product order. <laughs> that was fun. That's the 3 a.m.s for you at the moment. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've gotten up at 3 a.m. Yeah, I've been awake at 3 a.m. too many times lately. Um, that uh, I, I got the I got the black one. I got the space gray one which is pretty much black. And that one, they, so the stainless steel ring around the iPhone X, um, which Apple will tell you is a special atomic process to make the space gray uh, match the glass back. Um, but it looks great. Like like with the jet black, it basically makes the whole thing like just a black phone. Um, and, unless the screen is on, it's just like all black phone with a little Apple logo. Um and they'll also tell you that the stainless steel is a surgi- is surgical grade is in case you need to perform surgery with the ring around your iPhone. You could do that. Um, and that it's a, a proprietary Apple um, Apple metal. Like they, they, they're the particular mix to make this particular stainless steel is something that Apple has formulated themselves. Okay, fair enough. Um, what I didn't expect is that I really like the silver one. So the black one is, how much blacker could it be? None more black. It's a black phone. It's great. Uh, Darth Vader phone. I'm all for it. The silver phone, though, way, I like it way more than I like the silver phones lately. Um, and there's two reasons. One is the bezel is black. They've made no attempt to have like some white showing in the front, which they've mm-hmm. done with, you know, all the silver phones lately have been white phones with silver. Mm-hmm. And I don't like white phones. I don't, I don't like it. Sorry, Casey Liss. Um, I don't like white phones. Um, I don't like how the fact that most of the time the screen is dark and then there's a white ring around it. It like highlights where your screen space is. I really don't like it. I, I prefer the illusion that when the phone is off, it's just a perfectly featureless or almost featureless slab, right? So that's what they've done with this one. Um, the back is 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 white and it's pretty. There's um, Even though it's glass like the iPhone 8, there's an extra layer and they, they have like eight different layers of coating on this thing including like the oleophobic coating and it's the reinforced glass and it's got a lot of things that are like the eight there is one apparently like layer that's different that makes it a little more kind of like shimmery um shimmery looking and it's it's nice looking and so you've got the the apple logo is in silver the word iphone is in silver um and then the rest of it um you know the camera area camera oval is black and then the um and then the whole rest of it is white uh reflect kind of a nice reflective silvery white 
Uh, that's that that's nice. And so if you want that white phone back, you can get it. But to me, the star of this is the the stainless steel on the on the silver phone is because um, it's not like a silver phone; it's a stainless steel phone. It's a shiny stainless steel ring. So if you like, if you think about like the stainless steel Apple Watch, mm-hmm. it's that kind of thing. It's a really noticeably bright, shiny, pretty um, stainless steel around the the ring, surgical. Such of course, stainless steel. I don't know how I missed this. I thought that both phones had the like stainless steel, stainless steel. I I, I somehow missed. I think it's because you know the photos show it. It always looks reflective. I didn't know that the space gray phone had a kind of gray black treating treatment to to the steel. So I mean, I placed my order for the silver one um, because I think it's the one that I would like the most. And I'm really excited about that because whilst I don't like the stainless steel Apple Watch look for me, all of the pictures that I've seen of the iPhone with the shiny stainless steel band around it, it I really love it, mostly because it makes yeah. me think of like the, the older iPhones that I love so much. So I'm really pleased that it's more shiny. Back of the original iPod, too, mm-hmm. is something that struck me about it, right? It's this, it's this super shiny, polished, silvery stainless steel. Um, it looks great. And I'm saying that as somebody who never chooses the silver phone, always chooses the space gray phone. The silver one looks great. I think the the black one looks great too, but um, the, I, I really like this look as the as the other look. So that's the one you have. The one Apple gave you was the silver one. So yeah, that's my review unit is silver, and then my uh, one that I bought that's coming Friday because um, that did work. Lucky you. At Three a.m. I did get one that is supposed to be delivered on Friday. Well, lucky. There's a whole other show that's like the upgrade that never happened, basically, that is talking about iPhone orders where we missed it, upgrade 164 and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, but the short version of the story is that, um, as some people have noted, they're not selling this as a SIM-free, like, unlocked phone right now, as they often do with uh, with new Apple iPhones. They, they want you to tie it to the, to the carrier, which frustrates me because if I pay full price, I just don't want to even bother with the carrier. So I get at uh, 3 a.m., they're like, put in your phone number and the last four digits of the social security number associated with your AT&T account. I'm like, oh, my God. So I look that up, paste it in. I'm trying to do this all, all quickly. Um, and to Apple's credit, um, somebody at Apple said, you know, I don't want our customers to get screwed by things we can't control, like the carrier systems dying. So let's build in a contingency where if we can't contact the carrier, we're just going to hold that person's place in the reservation line. We're going to give them a phone as if they've already reserved it. And then we're going to send them an email saying, and, and post on the on the web form when you try to buy the phone, um, we can't talk to your carrier right now. We will contact you. Your place has been saved. That's what happened to me is they're like, look, essentially, look, AT&T, has uh, gone away. We don't know when they're coming back. Your order is secure. Go to bed. We'll email you tomorrow. And the next afternoon, I got an email from Apple saying, "Great, you have 24 hours to click through and complete your order because we we have we have now reestablished uh, diplomatic relations with AT and T, uh, and and it worked. And and then when that was all done, it said, "Great, you'll get it Friday." So that was that was actually pretty great on Apple's part that. They identified the weak link in the chain, which is the carriers, and uh, worked around them. So in the end, I'll get the black phone on Friday, and that's the the real phone that I'll keep in my pocket, and this will go back to Apple. Lucky you. Yeah, that's great. 
I do not have a phone for delivery on Friday. I'm sorry. Uh, we'll see. Come on I over. Have, I have options. None of them are from <laughs> Apple right now. Uh, I have some yeah. options. I'm investigating some areas into how I'm going to procure a phone on Friday. Mm. Um, otherwise, stop on by. Yeah, I'll just pop over. I'll just, I'll just pop, pop over. over to the house. Yeah. All right. Take care. Of you. So much more. So much more oh. to cover. But let's take our first Pack. break. Big show. And thank yes. Encapsula for supporting this week's show. Encapsula will help you delight visitors to your site whilst frustrating attackers or because of their bulletproof security options and fast content delivery network. There's nothing fiddly that you need to do to get Encapsula running. Just make one small change to your DNS and you'll be good to go. Encapsula will boost the performance of your site so it is buttery smooth, all while keeping out those bad guys. Encapsula has some serious power behind them. They block 140,000 threats per minute because they have this incredible network that they're taking advantage of. With just a few clicks, you can get all of your traffic passed through their secure network before it ever has to reach your site, before anybody needs to come to it. And on average, websites using the powerful Encapsula content delivery network are 50% faster and consume up to 70% less bandwidth. Now that is lightning fast. And Encapsula's smart dashboard shows you real-time stats about incoming traffic and lets you update security policies without disrupting anything. As a listener of this show, you can get one whole month of service for free. Just go to Encapsula.com slash upgrade. That's I-N-C-A-P-S-U-L-A.com slash upgrade. Go check it out now and find out more what Encapsula can do for you and to claim your free month as well. Give Encapsula a try. You're not going to regret it. Thank you so much to Encapsula for their support of this show and Relay FM. So let's talk about the screen. Now, the iPhone X has an OLED screen. It's the first one we've ever had on an iPhone. How does this compare to the LCD screen? Well, I spent some time with uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, she's great. She says hi, by the way. That sounds like a great <laughs> afternoon. No wonder you, <laughs> you're so busy. <laughs> Unfortunately, I had to leave because I had an, a review to write. Um, I played Wonder Woman uh, on my uh, iPhone 8 and on the 10, and just sort of in parallel and, and, uh, and was watching them and comparing them and doing direct comparison. And... Yeah, I mean, it's what everybody says. It's what John Syracuse always talks about when he talks about OLED screens, right? Like, the black levels are amazing. Um, and I, I don't want to get too video nerdy about it, but, like, I think anybody would notice the difference because on a backlit LCD screen, um, everything is lit. And so black... If you've ever had something that was really dark or even like totally black on your TV, your HDTV, and yet it still glowed and you had that moment of like, how is it that this is supposed to be black? And yet my whole living room is lit. It's because even when the screen is black, the backlight is back there. And so you end up with this kind of like bright, let's call it space gray. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Let's call it that. Anything can be space gray. Any literally anything except space, Mike, because space is black, not gray. But anyway, um, the OLED screens don't do that. The OLED screen—that's not how it works. The uh, it it puts out light when there's light to be put out, and otherwise it doesn't. And so, looking at Wonder Woman, I mean, not only is it a high resolution screen, this is the highest resolution uh, screen I think that Apple has ever made in any product, um, and it's it's uh, 458 pixels per inch, and that's you know. Theoretically, that's beyond the level at which your eyes can actually detect the details of the pixels. But what it does mean, it's a full, you know, 1080 HD image with the black levels. It supports HDR video, so the dynamic range that's capable on the on the the uh, 
The display is pretty impressive. So, you know, it can display bright content with detail and dark content with detail. And uh, it looks really good. I mean, that's the bottom line is even if you weren't measuring the black levels, um, it looks it looks really good. Now, uh, one of the challenges with OLED is color shifting. Um, I'm not great with color. Um, it does shift a little bit if you look at it from angles, but it is super subtle and not annoying in the way that even earlier um, earlier LCD screens were, um, and especially not some of the other smartphone screens that have had some serious color shifting problems when you watch it off angle. Um, it's a good display, and it also doesn't seem to be aggressively... Uh, you know, like, like, uh, what I said in the review is like one of those TVs that's set up at the, at the, at the store to pop all the colors so that your your, like head explodes with the colors on the screen. Um, a lot of panels will get cranked up like that to impress you with the color. And that's not, Apple wants to be accurate with the color and they did a pretty good job. So it, it looks great. It is as advertised a really nice looking, um, display. Really nice. And remind me, does this phone have true tone in it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's got the. It's just like the eight. It's got the. Uh, it's got the. Uh, the the sensor, that. and it's doing the uh, on the fly true tone adjustment. I cannot wait to see how my home screen looks like that. You know, that was the big thing for me with the with the iPads when they went to true tone. Is just everything just looked so much more rich. You know, like a, there was like a vividness to it, which I really enjoyed. So I'm very much looking forward to having that on my iPhone as well. Now, obviously, the screen goes all the way to the edges, and by going all of the way to the edges. We get the notch. This is the thing. This is the thing yes. that everybody was up in arms about. How is the notch going to be? What's the notch going to be like? So, Jason, how is the notch? Well, I mean, it, we'll see how it progresses over time. Um, different apps handle it in different ways. Generally, the way that seems to be good to handle it is that you kind of flow the background of your content into those areas underneath the status information. And, you know, you don't have any actual usable like interface that's tappable up there, you you have it be just sort of like part of the experience. But the experience of using it is definitely like, um, I don't look at the notch and think there is a thing chewing into my screen. Mm-hmm. I actually think about it more like um, I look at the edges around the notch and think this screen is so big that it uh, it it is you know it's going to flow all the way until it hits something that can stop it. <laughs> And so it goes around the camera notch area and and otherwise it's like going completely to the edge up there. That's sort of how, if that makes any sense, like that's how it feels to me is that this is not, hey, we tried to do an all screen phone and stopped. It's more like um, every place we could possibly put screen, we did. I think that's the message I get from this phone is that Apple saying, you know, we couldn't put it everywhere, but we, we didn't stop it lower down just because of the need for a camera housing we we're going to flow it all the way to the top and and it has that effect of sort of like extending the experience extending your field of view even uh you know even up where it should probably stop because there's a camera up there it just keeps on going with the apps that you've been using how is the optimization uh it's all over the place right now i've got some betas um some apps have been updated um i have apps let's see there's there's a bunch of categories they're the apps that have not been updated okay where they're basically letterboxed top and bottom so it probably looks like a regular iphone right like it's just the exact same screen size 
Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, it, yeah, it, it, it just all of a sudden the um, the phone's not as tall. You've huh. got you've got kind of black areas top and bottom. So that happens with ones that have not been updated. Just out of interest, because it's OLED, does that look good? Like, does it look like there isn't a screen there? Like, does it look like it's just plastic? Do you know what I mean? Like, does it look like or close to like the bezel? Because like when I'm on my Apple Watch, right? When I look at my Apple Watch, and that's an OLED screen. Where it's not on, it just looks like there's nothing. The reason it doesn't is because you have the status bar at the top, and you uh, have the bright mm-hmm. white line that is your flip up here to go home. That's always there. That's a shame. Those yeah. re- mm-hmm. those remain. Yeah. So those are still there as cues, and then and then the iPhone app screen like floats in the middle. Yeah. That's so. That's what it's doing. It's it's trying to keep those things consistent because the status bar stays at the top and the and the little uh, line for the multitasking uh, and home essentially area stays there. Does that have an official name? If it does, I don't know what it is. <laughs> okay. The what? The what do you call it? Bar? <laughs> the what you call it? That's what we're just referring yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what it is. The whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, then, so the other things I've seen is there are apps that uh, have been uh, carefully considered, and they um, they do the right thing. Like I was looking at uh, Fantastical, and it's got the red calendar bar at the top of the screen, and on the iPhone 10, the red color just keeps extending all the way up to the top through the status bar and it looks good. It likes, it, it's really a consistent look. Um, and then there's some apps and I'm not going to name any names, but there are some apps where um, they still have work to do where like the color extends all the way to the top, but then they're like navigational elements at the bottom of the screen are all the way at the bottom, which means that they're like going off the edges of the the curved edges, uh, mm-hmm. and they're ben- and they're beneath the multitasking area, which means that you can't actually tap on them, which is bad because oh. you can't. And those will be fixed, right? But that's an example where like there's a lot of work, and and I'll reference um, Mark Armitz talked about it on ATP, and he's talked about it on under the radar, but. Um, this is an update that requires active work by developers. Developers can't just phone it in with the iPhone 10. Ha, huh, phone. They need to they need to put in some work. This is not one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, you know, you recompile it, you you uh, change a couple of things and then it all works. It's like, no, you need to think about like what are you going to do at the top of the screen? What are you going to do at the bottom? Um and uh that's still going on. So, um even Apple's apps, I mean, they all support it, but even there there are those moments where I think uh like They've got, uh, you know, sometimes they do it better than other times and they're still figuring it out themselves. Have you seen any apps that do more than just put color? Like, are there any apps that are using this for information or anything like that? Or does it really just seem like it's just the color that's on the top of the status bar is just stretched all the way to the top? That's that's basically it right now. I mean, I, I imagine that that might change. I'm not quite sure what they have. I mean, the status bar is the status bar, right? Mm-hmm. Unless they hide the status bar and put something up there, which uh, some some may. But instead, it's sort of like just giving you this, the sense that the, the status bar is part of the app interface and extends to the top of the, of the screen. Yeah. And then just getting out of the way of the bottom. I think there may be some opportunities down at the bottom of the screen, especially on the, on the sides. Um, one of the things that Apple did with a keyboard is they actually um the keyboard sits up 
a little bit. There's a, like a gray area underneath the keyboard. The keyboard isn't down at the bottom of the screen like it is on all other iPhones. And you, if you think about it, you can figure out why, which is all other iPhones have a gap. The keyboard never sits at the bottom of the phone. It sits you know, with a gap between yep. it and the bottom yep. of the phone, right? And if you tried to hold a, a phone with two hands and do thumb typing, you realize very quickly like thumb typing where you have to tap all the way at the bottom of the phone is kind of awkward. I would drop my phone. 100% I would yeah, drop it. Yeah, you either it. drop your phone or you or you like bend your thumbs way too far yeah. back. Like right? I'm holding it right now as if I was typing on the bottom and it's just not secure enough. Right. So what they did is they put this kind of buffer area and then a keyboard. And that that's a bummer in the sense that the app uh, the app space above is less than it would be. Like you, you, you're giving up some space in the app interface when you slide up the keyboard. Uh, but what they did do, which I think is kind of clever, is they put the, the emoji slash international keyboard button and the microphone, you know, voice dictation button. They put those down on the left and right corners of the display to the left and right of the multitasking area. And that means that the like bottom row of the software keyboard has a, is a little more spacious. Mm-hmm. There's a little more room because there's two keys that are that are out of there. Yeah. And I thought that was cl- a clever use of that space. Um, and I it made me wonder if other apps might, once they're up and running on iPhone 10, might start to experiment with like, could we do things with these new spaces? But I think you know, phase one is is literally make it not be in a letterbox. Make sure that their interface elements don't collide with the edges of the screen or slide under the home area. All of those things, because that that's like step one. What I would like to see um, with that area is, you know, like on the iPad, you have the persistent buttons on the keyboard, like the cut, copy, and paste buttons. I would like to see something like that there, because from the images that I've seen, it just looks like you've kind of got the dictation on one side, the smiley face on the other, and then just a gray area. You know, it would be nice to maybe yes. see some stuff go in there. Yeah, the problem is that the gray area is um, also colliding with multitasking and swipe up. So you got to sure. be careful there. Mm-hmm. But but I do wonder about that. I, I actually, I, I think it's ergonomics. I actually was wondering why they didn't put the, um, the autocorrect stuff uh, below. But I think the rationale there is that you want to see it above because you're looking at your content. And so you want the content and the autocorrect yep. to stay together. Because you'd be covering the autocorrect options with your hands, most likely. Right, like you wouldn't see exactly. them. It would be obscured from view. Right. So that's, the, you know, there's a lot of these things that obviously Apple has had more than um, a month and a half to think about. And app developers have only had a month and a half at most to think about. So um, I, I expect more to be done here. And then always, yeah, everybody's going to look at how the Apple apps implemented all of this stuff and say, all right, why did they do that? Because there are lessons to be learned there. But, um, you know, when an app fully, when I launch an app that's already been, because you don't really know, right? Like you just, I just restored my phone from my backup and it downloaded apps from the app store. I don't know which ones have been updated and which ones haven't. Yeah. There are a couple things that I've got in beta on test flight, but mostly it's just things in the app store. And then every now and then I open one and I'm like, oh, <laughs> this one, this one's on, this one's on the iPhone 10. Like, yeah. what, like I said, with yeah. Fantastical, it's like, oh, look at that. Isn't that hey, nice? Look at you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and then others like Slack, I open, I'm like, mm. oh, Slack. <laughs> black bars. Yeah, and, and actually, it's a weird. I wonder if they've changed something with that, you know, swipe from the left uh, gesture where you swipe from the screen edge to go back. Um, I wonder if something's changed there because what I've actually found is in an app like Slack that really relies on that swipe from the left, gest- left gesture, I have to be way more careful about w- how I do it or it doesn't trigger. So I think that there may be some, I think maybe the edge gestures have all 
been tweaked a little bit in the iPhone 10 and that maybe some apps are going to have to react to that too. But I don't, I don't know any technical reasons why. All I know is that literally I used to just do a very sloppy um, swipe from the left edge of the phone to the right to bring op- open the channel view in Slack. And now yep. I kind of need to plant my finger, plant my thumb on the screen and swipe to the right to get it to work reliably. Okay. So there's some tweaking, right? There's, there's some tweaking that they need to do for that. Yeah. I mean, in other words, if you're somebody who is really excited about some of these features on the iPhone 10 and the big screen and expects all of your favorite apps to support it right away, you may be disappointed because it is not trivial to do this. Yeah. And they've ha- and they had very little time. Keep in mind, these are also developers who worked all summer to support iOS 11 stuff. They finally hit the finish line and the day they're about to hit the finish line, a new phone with totally new screen size that's very different from what's come before is announced. So, you know, they, at that point, they're like kind of exhausted and now they've got a whole new version of their app that they basically need to do in order to address it. So it may take a little bit of time. This has happened before, right? When we got the 6 and the 6S, the 12.9-inch iPad Pro, like this is a thing that's happened. When we've got the 5, like as every time screens get bigger there has to be some kind of considerations and these considerations are different because the screen is bigger but it also has a cut taken out on the top and bottom but you know it's just stuff to to consider right like and developers will will find their ways around it there will be i'm sure many new design conventions that come out of this over the next couple of months you know like someone has a really smart idea and then it starts to to pollinate across the you know across the ecosystem, like pull to refresh or something like that, you know, or hamburger buttons. I'm sure there'll be some stuff like that that starts to pop out as people work, you know, kind of work through this stuff and, and work out some things over the next weeks and months totally. and stuff like that. Um, the, uh, the the new home button, which we'll refer to as the home indicator, because that seems to be how it's being referred to in the HIG. Thanks to the chat room for digging that Alrighty. up. Alrighty. Um, so the home indicator... How easy is it to use this? I mean, is this something that you're struggling to get used to? You're, you're, you're swiping up now um, rather than pressing a button. How has this been? Uh, I love it. It takes some getting used to, but it doesn't take a lot of getting used to. It happens pretty fast because huh. it, and everybody's different and everybody's how they hold their phone is different, right? So everybody's going to have an experience. For me, this is a way less complicated gesture than the old one because keeping in mind the old one was put thumb flat on touch ID sensor, have it register, press the button. And now all I have to do, and, and it's it's basically the same place. And in fact, when I forget that I'm using an iPhone 10 and I put my thumb down there and I realize there's no button, all I do is flip up like from the place I expected the home button to be and it unlocks the phone. So it's like literally for me, the same place. It's just instead of holding my thumb flat and then pressing I'm able to just do a swipe. So it's a less complicated gesture that is pretty much the same in terms of muscle memory, but easier. So I like it. It takes a little getting used to, but I really like it. I think it's I think it's totally natural. I think there are gestures that have, have been redefined that is, are going to take more getting used to and are less discoverable and maybe a little finicky, but the actual like swipe or, you know, swipe up to unlock or go home I think it is super, you know, easy and natural. What about the the multitasking view? That one takes a little more getting used to because you've got to swipe and hold and remember to keep holding until the other kind of cards come out, uh-huh. um, which is both a little less discoverable and also more easily accidentally triggered. But, um, but it's, uh, you know, once, once you learn that it's there, 
it's pretty easy to bring it up uh, consistently. It's just that one requires a little more thought at first to get your head around. And there's also that this one where you kind of swipe and the bar and go backwards and forwards, right? Like this seems to be a thing. Yeah, it, this is the reason why um, I think iOS 11 accidentally question mark um, did away with the 3D touch from left to right to do multitask to go back to the previous app. Remember that? Remember that yep. uh, that thing that used to be a feature and then in iOS 11 it sort of got turned off and they said, no, 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 it'll it's, come back in a future it's back update. now. Is it because 11.1 came out today as actually, actually while we're recording, bringing with it emoji and the, the reinstallation of Yay. this feature. Yeah, so, so um, this is why that went away, right? It mm-hmm. seems because this is that feature essentially. So they rebuilt it for the iPhone 10 and then I guess forgot or couldn't get back to getting it work for the other devices again because it's the same premise which is if you put your finger or thumb down there in that multitasking area and you do a straight on swipe left or right it moves you in that stack so you know from left to right it will take you back to the previous app Um, and then left to right again will take you back another one and then if you go right to left it will take you back to the one that's to the right in that kind of when you don't do any other multitasking stuff it tries for a little while to keep them in the right sequence so if you've got like calendar email and and safari and you go left to right from calendar to email and left to right from email to safari if you don't I don't know whether it's time or uh, more multitasking or whatever, but for a while at least, if you're like, oh no, actually I want to go back to email, then you go right to left and it will whoop, I flip like you back to, to email. Right? I really like it's, that. It's basically the four finger swipe to yep. switch apps from the iPad. Because the iPad has that. It keeps it keeps you in place for a little, for a period of time. You go left, right, left, right. You, you're not going like left, 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 right? It, it's kind of keeping some persistence right. as to where you've come from <laughs> and where you're going rather than just immediately moving the old apps to the left. Right, it would be super confusing if you went, oh, to my to my left is this is app B, and then you're like, now I want to go back to app A. I will go to the right, and it was like, oh no, I don't know what you're talking about. This is the end because it's like, no, I just came from there. Yeah, a, a is at the left again now, right? Like they all just jump over yeah. one. So yeah, I'm really pleased about that. And that's super confusing. That. That's that's excellent. You could also never get to a third app using that, right? It would always be those two, and you'd be like, I'm trapped. <laughs> I can't get out, right? So instead, yeah. they maintain some amount of, uh, of, of like that geography. Temporarily, that geography persists. And that, uh, you know, it's a, I think it's a way more discoverable and uh, natural gesture than the 3D touch. You know, push hard and then swipe with your finger and then you go to the previous app. Now it's just you swipe in that area left to right and it, you know, basically as you're swiping your finger or thumb, the interface is sliding underneath you and bringing that other app in. Cover sheet has seen some changes, right? There's a flashlight and camera button now on the notification lock screen thing. Yeah, I think this is a a reaction to the fact that Control Center has been exiled to the top right. Okay. Um, And it actually makes me a little bit sad because I I know they want to limit what what junk is on that lock screen because they want you to see your notifications. But I found myself thinking, could we not have like optionally a few more control center items on the screen yeah i would prefer home to the flashlight for example right right i mean i i use a flashlight all the time and i know how to swipe right to get to the camera so i really don't need a camera button there right does swiping right still go to the camera yeah even though there's this persistent button that's interesting yeah, if you just swipe right on the main interface, not down in the application thing, but the main interface and the lock screen, it does exactly what it used to do, which is, uh, and left takes you to the widgets. 
Um, but if you 3D touch on the flashlight, the flashlight comes on. Which th- their their thought there is, if you're if you really need to take a picture or flash the flashlight, you want a- quick access to that. So they put those on the screen with uh, quick access. So talking about um, control center, one thing that I'm a little bit disappointed about is the fact that it's been moved to a not so convenient place when I really wish they would have found a way to integrate it into the multitasking view like it is on the iPad, you know? So you're still swiping up and then it's there. You know, like how the on the iPad, the, the kind of the multitasking and the control center is all in the same place. Um, but with the iPhone 10, if I'm right, you pull down from one of the, uh, the ears of the phone, uh, the little Batman ears, and you yep. pull down from the right one, if if that's correct, and then left and middle is still to bring down your notifications, but the right notifications, one yeah. brings down control center. Yep, that's yeah. that's it, and it makes me a little bit sad because, as I pointed out, the top of the screen is very far away, and I got used to flipping up control center, right? Yeah, and now you can't. Now, now for me, control center is not a casual flip up with my thumb. Now it is a bring over the other hand, take the index finger and uh and bring it down so it's i know why they did it i mean they had to do it because that uh, go to the home screen gesture is the most important gesture and that is the most natural place to put it but it still makes me sad because i like control center and i use it all the time and it is kind of in you know exiled into siberia at this point it's way up in the top right it is far away because i hold my iphone one-handed in my left hand and um and so the up top right is just forget it. Like I'm never going to casually reach control center now. It's never going to happen. And there's no way to flip those around. No, no, that's too core, too core a feature yeah. to. I mean, I I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to make going back to the home screen exiled either. Right? Oh, I meant like the left and right. You know, like can you can you put control center on the left and? Well, yeah, I wondered if there, is there another gesture that you could do to bring up control center? Um, I'd actually rather have a control center button on the lock screen, yeah. quite honestly. <laughs> like instead of flashlight, I'd rather 3D touch to bring up control center. But that's not in the cards either, it seems. Can you combine it with the reachability? So if you activate reachability, can you then just swipe down from what would be the previous area? Because this was something you used to be able to do. Um, and I think has actually come back with 11.1 or is coming from 11.2, sure. that if you use reachability, you can just swipe down on the blank area to bring the notification screen down. Can you do the same for control center? Like if you use reachability and swipe from the right-hand side, does it bring control center down from like halfway on the screen rather than the top? Yes, it does. So that's that's one. That's how I expect I will be using it. So it's two gestures sure. rather than one, but I bet I will get used to that pretty quickly, like swipe, swipe. Right, like I feel like I yep. will that that will get embedded for me over time as uh, what I end up doing. So reachability, if I'm if I'm following correctly from your review, uh, you have to enable it as an accessibility setting, which is fine. Yes, um, and then you swipe down on the home indicator. Right, is that how that works? Yeah, basically. So it's a little bit more fine a gesture than a lot of these, where you can just sort of start on the left or the right or the bottom and then flip up. This one, you have to land your your finger or thumb in that space down there by the home indicator uh high enough up that you can give then a little pull down um so it's you basically land at the near the bottom of the screen and then pull down and then reachability triggers which is logical in the sense that you are literally kind of pulling the interface downward um but it just requires a little more finesse (laughs) with uh and precision with where you land your finger because you don't want to be too high up or you're just going to scroll through the app yeah (laughs) 
right? You've got to be down there in that area, which is why that area needs to stay clear because there are like these system-wide gestures that are going on down in that area. So uh, Vidit in the chat room just shared a, a mock-up that he put together that that a while ago, which I actually really like, of um, where maybe Control Center could go in the multitasking view. And I, I hope that that's something that maybe could get added in the future, like a way to try and combine those two uh, to make it a little bit more useful. Um, I, I would really like that because, you know, Apple do it on the iPad and this is the same gesture, right? The swipe up. I think that's kind of where it came from. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's one of the reasons that you've gotten used to it and I'll get used to it quickly is I'm very used to now never using the home button on my iPad. I just do the swipe yeah. up gesture to get to everything. So I expect that will embed with me exactly. quite quickly too for that reason. Doesn't solve it on the lock screen though, which is the other part of this. But like I said, yeah. you could potentially just put a, a control button. center yeah. button. Mm-hmm on the lock screen so that I could 3D touch that and then the lock screen becomes the control center. I'm going to assume that iOS 12 brings something because every single version of iOS changes control center in some new way. So yeah. we can we can cross our fingers. I love the new control center and I use it all the time. I use it Me to too. adjust Me screen too. brightness. Yep. I use it for HomeKit. Volume. I, use, I mean, I use it all the time. I use yeah. it to, like, you know, for music controls and also to connect my AirPods because there's a quick way to do that if you click that little... Yep. Um, little chevron anything in the corner like so yeah the I, corner. yeah I, I hope that they find some way to make that either a more useful or b that after some use i get used to the, the new way of activating it last thing i want to talk about in regards to ios's changes because that's what this segment is by the way this is the changes to ios is the many buttons and the way that they're all changing uh so kind of how do you take a screenshot and how do you turn off the iphone uh oh boy (laughs) (laughs) um so taking a screenshot you use the side button and the volume up button yep but this is this is the story is okay every single gesture that's on the home button has to move how do we move them all so that's how you do the screenshot to do siri you hold down the side button like you used to hold down the home button to do apple pay you double tap the side button like you used to double tap the home button to do um a reboot you hold down the right the the side button and the i want to say the volume up button and you hold them down i think it's what it is for a while and you'll get that you know the prompt to turn that's, it off that's to turn it off right that's to turn off yeah and then the reboot and this is like amazing this is the forced restart you're talking about now yeah right? that it's like remember where you where it used to be home and the side button, or the it used to be the top button, but the, you know the yep. sleep wake button, and you hold them both down, and it's like die. Phone, and then it die, changed right? to on the seven with on like the seven because there's no physical. It's a software home button basically, and it's like volume down. And yeah. so on on the eight, it is volume up, volume down, and then hold the side button. So wait, in that order, it's like Control Alt Delete. You press up down it's like a cheat code it's like a cheat code for, that's incredible for rebooting your it's iphone it's the konami code for iphone it, yeah i love that that's hilarious i mean okay like i see why they're doing it it's and, and also i reckon most people very rarely need that what they most of the time need is just the way to bring up the turn off right like I, I feel like in most situations that will probably solve what people are looking for um but yeah, it's funny that I mean I would have thought that just holding all three buttons would work fine, right? Like that isn't that that feels to me like more like a bailout situation. I think yeah, but I think they don't want to make it easy, right? Because because you yeah. don't normally want to force reboot a, uh, an iPhone, mm-hmm. so they want to make it uh, 
for people in the know or who are looking up an emergency thing online, yeah, yeah. but not like everywhere. All right, so that's that part. There, there are more. There are more button uses that I'm going to talk about, but we're going to start talking about Face ID, and I think the button comes yes. into play a little bit more there as well. But mm-hmm. first, uh, let's talk about a new sponsor for this show, and that is Bombfell. This episode is brought to you by Bombfell, the online personal styling service dedicated to finding the right clothes for you. If you're a modern man, or there's a modern man in your life that would like to streamline the most stressful parts. Bombfell is for you because you can update your look with brand new items to refresh your wardrobe. When you sign up for Bombfell, you're paired with your own stylist. They will help you select items that they think will work for you. Your stylist will look through menswear collections around the world to find the clothes that you're going to look great in. You only pay for what you keep and returns are free. Bombfell is the smart way to shop. It's completely flexible. You can push up, delay, or skip your shipments at any time. Now, Mr. Jason Snell, I believe that you have received some Bonfell clothes. I absolutely have. I went through this process and uh, what I liked about it was that they're like, what kind of clothes do you wear? And, and you know, there are options like, oh, button-down shirts and slacks and all that. And I thought, I work in my garage. These are not <laughs> things that I wear. <laughs> and so I said casual, like T-shirts and polos and jeans. And I got an email from the Bombfell stylist who said, I've got this really nice pair of jeans and I've got this this polo that uh, that it's like a slub polo that mm-hmm. we, I, I want you to try. And I was like, all right, let's let's try it. And the polo is really nice. And the jeans. So I was really skeptical. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, I've got my I've got my two pairs of Levi's jeans and they're fine and all that. And uh, and but I'll 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 humor the sponsor all right send me the jeans sure and then i tried them on and i was like oh these are really nice <laughs> <laughs> they got you that's how they so get they, you. they they got they got me that is how they get you is by having good taste and knowing what the brands are and matching them to people and so yeah they were i was happy with both of them I'm, i was very impressed signing up is super easy you just tell them your measurements and the kind of clothes that you like as jason did and a very simple questionnaire you get an email from your stylist with your hand-picked selections you have 48 hours to change and make any changes to your items or even cancel it altogether then once your clothes arrive you have seven days before any payment is taken so you can send back anything that you don't like you're in total control bombfell also has the option to sign up on behalf of somebody else as well maybe for a gift um, or for a partner that kind of thing we have a great deal with uh, with bombfell just for upgrade listeners you can get 20 $25 off your first purchase by going to bombfell.com slash upgrade. That's B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L.com slash upgrade, and you'll get that $25 off your first purchase. Bombfell, open and clothes. We thank Bombfell for their support of this show and Relay FM. Okay, so Face ID, maybe the main event, you know, like I I know that the screen is like a big thing, but I think Face ID, this is the thing that like, what is this going to be like? Like what fundamental change is this going to be to the iPhone? Because the screen is the screen. We know Apple can make a good screen, right? Like no matter what it is they've done, they're so good at this now, the screen's going to be great. And you can decide whether you like or don't like the notch, but that's that's your own personal taste. But Face ID, facial recognition, it's never really been done very well before, especially on phones. So I want to go through all of this with you, Jason. How was the setup process? Uh, shockingly easy. <laughs> Easier than Touch ID, I would I would argue. Psst, I hate the Touch ID setup. I hate it. Right? I hate it. Okay, so the Touch ID where it's like, hey, we scanned your finger. Yep. Now change your grip and keep repeatedly touching mm-hmm. your finger awkwardly on the thing until we tell you not to as we show you an animation that may or may, may not be tied to what's actually happening and then i have to go into settings and add every single other one of my fingers right like yep. you do this like five times or something <laughs> well 
good news. There's you only have one face, yeah, well, and yeah, uh, okay. it'll yeah, only not, accept mm, one face. Mm-hmm. This so. is frustrating for me, but it's not the end of the world. Like you know, I, I would like like me and Adina, we we share uh, fingerprints on our devices, and it would you know she's just gonna, she knows my code. She's gonna have to use, use the code, right? Yeah, that's that. That is. I I wish it would support more faces, and maybe it will in the future. Or maybe there's some hardware constraints there, but. Um, but it will only do it. But yeah, training is easy, like shockingly easy. So uh, when you set it up, it'll train you. But you can also at any time um, just go into the settings, into the uh, Face ID settings of the settings app and say enable Face ID. And what happens? And there's a video in my review on Six Colors. I did a minute and a half video of like Lovely the video. top features of it. It's hosted by a monkey and emoji with my voice. By the way, I just want to say about this as a quick aside. I have no idea how you did this. I have no idea how you wrote the review and made a video. You are superhuman, Jason Snow. Um, don't tell anybody or they'll come and take me to Area 51. <laughs> so, um, now you've got to be the alien emoji now. So, so my entire enrollment uh in Face ID is in that video and that's like that's I I think I I think I shortened the pause between the two scans by a half a second or okay. something to get it to match my voiceover. But basically, it's all there. And all you do is you say, train. okay, so train face ID. And it shows you a uh, selfie, uh, the selfie camera with kind of like a target box. And you're supposed to put your face in there. And then when it does that, then suddenly you get like a circle. And it's, it's very much sort of like guiding you to like look at the thing and see your face in the circle. And once that happens, then you get this, um, it's like a little, uh, like a clock almost around your face. And it says, and, and, and like sound effect begins to play of like, it's seriously like, like it's scanning you, but it's just a sound effect. It's just silly. And they did it to make you feel like your face is being scanned because it is, but it's being done silently. So they make a sound effect. Um, and, and, and the text basically says, move your head around, um, sort of in a circle, until the circle fills in. And so um, basically at that point, there's this like clock ring around you. And as you, you basically want to kind of like lift your head up and, and, and kind of pivot, pivot your neck and just sort of like let your phone see different angles of your face. And as you do that, it's giving you the feedback as the little, uh, as the little circle moves around. So essentially you do one little neck stretch (laughs) from, from, uh, from nine o'clock to midnight down to six o'clock and back to nine o'clock, like just around the dial. And it goes, great. Do that one more time. And you do it one more time. And it says done. And that's it. Takes no time. It's completely painless. I, I do have a trivia tidbit and this came out of my briefing, which is face ID is entirely based on infrared. The only time that the uh, selfie camera gets used is in the setup process to give you feedback where you see yourself as you would see you in visible oh. light. That's the only way, time that camera is used, the RGB camera. In terms of the actual training and actual sensing and actual detecting, all of that is infrared. They've I've got never the thought of dot, that. <laughs> right? It's not the camera. They're just showing you it's working. That's for, right? that's for humans. That's yeah. so mm-hmm. That's to make you feel good yeah. about, what you're, needed, about what you're doing. Right? It's not needed. No. It's like in the same way that you don't see a picture of your thumb when you're using Touch ID. Right? Like it's not required. Yeah. Huh. 
so yeah. they so they do they show that to you and they play the the, the weird sound effect of scanning and they put <laughs> this little like like computer scanning effect mm-hmm. over your face to make you feel like yes now it's tracking my face and it knows me but that's all for show in the background it's got an infrared uh blaster basically that's bathing your face in infrared which you can't see and it's got the dot projector which is putting those dots on your face that's apple whimsy what that is right there that really is oh, yeah. great yeah well also i mean it's whimsy well it's apple whimsy in the sense that it's whimsy with a user purpose yeah, which is to make you feel <laughs> it's delighting you in the fact that your face is being scanned but it's also giving you feedback that yes this is a futuristic device that is scanning your face with its magical process oh, that's and so great y- i love that to make you feel like it's actually happening right down to the fact that it's got these uh, sound effects going on in the background, but it's super fast. I mean, you you really you do a couple of uh, a couple of neck stretches and uh, you're done. How fast is it to unlock, Jason? Let's be real. Okay, um, let's be real. Face ID makes unlocking your phone irrelevant. It's it's a. I saw. I think it was was it Ben Baharan? Somebody said, or no, it was Horace Deju yep. said, it's not a feature. From a user perspective, it's basically not a feature. Once you get used to it, which takes no time, um, like I'm already doing it, so it took me hours. Once you are used to the fact that when you pick up your phone and flip up from the bottom, it just opens, you, you stop thinking about Face ID. It just, it disappears. And it's fast enough that most of the time when I flip up, it's already unlocked. And and the way Apple has done it, if you flip up and it's not unlocked, it completes the unlocking procedure and then proceeds with the um, flip up right. gesture. So you don't have to wait to see that the lock is now unlocked and then flip. There's no like pause for unlock. Now I'll go. You just pick up your phone and flip and it all happens. And I have not had a I have not had a failure. The only failures I've had are when I have like been showing it to somebody, and so there's like multiple faces, or it's pointed out out of the fa- or I'm holding it kind of in an unusual way. But in terms of just literally just picking it up and flipping, that works every time. Um, and yes, occasionally there is a delay where I flip and I see the words Face ID for a moment, and then they go away. But it is it is momentary. It is a fraction of a second. So I'm I'm very impressed. Like again, your face may vary. In fact, it probably will. Otherwise, you could unlock my phone. But it um it just worked. I mean, I hate to say it just works, right? We all joke about oh, it just works. It just works. Like for me, it has just worked, and it shows you why. We talked about this on the show before. The goal here is not what if we made face scanning. If you're Apple, right? The goal is what if we made it so that when you use your phone, it knows it's you and it just unlocks it and you don't have to change anything about your behavior. And that's the goal. And I think they met it. Like, I don't, it's just not an issue. And on top of that, on apps that do biometric authentication, you can, you see where it's like, you know, it brings up a little face ID thing and then it opens. But like, I don't have to like, oh yeah, right. I need to enable touch ID and move my thumb down and have it read my thumbprint. And now I can use the thing. Instead, it goes like, boop, face ID unlocked. And that's it for apps too. It's pretty great. Pretty great. Have you tried like angles? Like, do you have to have the phone right in front of your face? What is that like? I mean, it's, it, 
it just it just seems to work unless you get it kind of like at, a, at an unreasonable angle. Like if it's laying down on a table, I kind of have to lean over like, hello, <laughs> and me. then it unlocks. Yeah. Okay. Right. So you can't. Yeah. So if you want to unlock it, like when it's in your pocket or when it's laying on the table, um, you know, uh, six inches away from you uh, in, in into the table. Yeah. It's not going to unlock because it can't see you. But, you know, the use case that's by far the most common is you pick up your phone and and with the raise to wake, you literally like lift up your phone and your thumb is moving to the bottom of the screen and you flip it open and your phone's open and you just don't even think about it. And that happens for me. That happened very quickly. Like this morning in the car, my wife is driving. We're coming back from the doctor and I was like, oh yeah, I want to see what's going on. And I, and I took the phone out and I went flip and was looking and, and then I thought, oh yeah, I just unlocked that phone without even thinking about it. I didn't huh. think about where my, where my face was. <laughs> was I looking? I was just behaving like a person using their phone and it all just happened. And you can do worked. like, I mean, you know, this is my, my hope is that like, you know, you just take your phone out your pocket, you just swipe up and look at it. Like it's just a motion. Like, you, you know, the swipe it. up is done before it's in front of your face kind of thing. Yeah. And, and that works, right? Like right. If, if you pick it up and you're swiping and it's not open yet, by the time you get it up to your face, then it face ID unlocks and it opens and it, and it holds that gesture. It knows you're trying to open the phone and it holds that gesture and it puts up a translucent sheet that says face ID. And then the thing, little thing spins for a fraction of a second and it unlocks. So, um, you, even though there's two steps, you can do them out of sequence and it's fine. And because of the face ID stuff, it's also hiding notifications now, right? Yeah, by default, that was already a setting that you could do, but now it's by default. So, like, I got a Slack message from Stephen Hackett while we were doing this, and it just shows up if I, you know, tap to wake, it just shows up as a Slack message, and it says Slack message from Stephen Hackett, but it doesn't show me the message. And then I picked up the phone to look at it, and it face it face ID unlocked, still at the lock screen, and um, revealed the uh, the content of the message on unlock which is pretty cool. Um, the other place that I've noticed face detection outside of Animoji um, is in the screen lock setting, like um, 30 seconds of inactivity to do screen locking. Um, it uses oh. attention detection on that. Dang, so if you're awesome. sitting on your phone and after 30 seconds, it's going to dim because you're not actually looking, you know, you're not actually interacting with it. If you're still looking at it, it won't dim the phone because it knows you're looking at the phone. Why would you turn off the screen when you're looking at content on an unlocked iPhone? Mm -hmm. And so it won't. It just won't do that, which is something you can do when you're literally the phone is aware of whether it's being watched. (laughs) And how do purchases from the App Store work? Because, you know, usually you'd press buy and then scan your thumbprint. Like, how is it? doing that because i'm always looking at it so how is it authorizing the the purchase it basically is the same workflow as on the previous ones where you know you've got that apple apple pay like thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, that's not actually apple pay because apple the app store doesn't take apple pay because reasons anyway uh so you uh you basically double tap the side which is the apple pay gesture and then it does a face id scan Oh, so nice that's, that's how you confirm because you, you don't want to just say, oh, I see your face. I just charged your account. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, that doesn't work. That, that's not how that's not good. So it, it has you do the little double tap Apple Pay gesture, um, even though it's not Apple Pay. And then it checks that it's you and it's a done deal. 
So we spoke about an emoji a little bit at the top and kind of peppered through. Um, and, you know, you, you say, rightly so, like this seems like a really impressive feature technologically and from an animation perspective. Is this something you think that you'll use? Like, do you, can you see yourself using an emoji? Well, uh, yeah. I think it's more likely going to be stickers than anything else with funny expressions. Yeah, because you can, you can what? You can make a face and then turn it into a sticker, right? Because I'm not sure I just want to send people movies of like yes. me talking yeah. with an animal face, right? I like, I, I'm not sure I want to do that, but I like the idea of making a sort of like making my own expression mm-hmm. that the the face is a mask that I wear and then I make an expression and it doesn't necessarily even need to match the existing emoji expressions yep. and then I can I can send that off. I think that's probably more likely going to be the case um than that I'm going to be sending those emoji messages. Um I'm not convinced in the long term if this isn't more like, you know, like other like iMessage apps and stickers and things where it's a fun thing for people to do and it'll be novel and then some people will keep using it and everybody else will stop using it, but it's very cool technology. Um I you know, I didn't lead with it in my review because while it is adorable and I think the animations are really great and I think everybody's going to be sending in emoji messages for the first few weeks that they have an iPhone 10. In the long run, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I was actually thinking I would rather, um, uh, what about things like an emoji picker where you pick, where you say, I want the smiley face and, you know, the, 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 the circular, circle yellow face. And then you give a uh, facial expression and it picks the emoji that's closest to that and just sends that, like an actual emoji. I think someone could build that. I think probably I so. I think someone will build that. I hope that they do because that sounds like a fun demo, right? Like even if you don't yeah. use it, like that sounds like a fun little keyboard to have. I, th- I think that's something somebody yeah. could build. And I can't. I also like, uh, you know, will there be more in emoji characters down the road? Maybe so. Because obviously that's, it's hard to do it because you got to do a lot of character animation, but that would be fun too, so... You know, maybe. I, I also, you know, they've only got it down as this sort of like 10 seconds with sound kind of thing. And I wonder if there's some variation that can be done in terms of like, could you turn that into like a an animation that has no sound that you can just do a really quick yeah. like three second animation and send that instead? Because I feel like that would be um, less intrusive than uh, a video with with audio to send like an animation so the stickers then are just static they're not moving stickers yeah i think they're just static i think you you um you basically pose and then drag it out or tap okay to send it as a sticker because i mean you can have moving stickers so i hope that they find a way to to make that happen for an emoji that'd be nice almost like live an emoji (laughs) kind of thing where you you do a little thing and then it turns it into an animated sticker yeah i don't think that is something that exists right now so I have a couple of little things left uh, to round this out. Um, first off, the camera. Is this what you'd expect? What What is different with this camera to the iPhone 8 camera? The big things are it's uh, optical image stabilization on both, which the Plus does not have. So this is both back lenses, right? Both of the back lenses. So the uh, um, So it's got OIS on the telephoto as well as on the wide angle, which the 8 Plus does not. Okay. And then um what else? The uh it's got a wider aperture the telephoto does on the 10 than the 8. Um otherwise it's pretty much the same. There are a lot of things that are are shared, right? The glass back, although it's not exactly the same, is pretty close. The uh the selfie camera itself is the same. The rear facing wide angle is basically the same. The telephoto is a little bit better. Um 
so it's you know the the chip is the same like this is not using a faster a11 bionic right it is the same chip it uses the machine learning part of it more because of the face id stuff but it's the same chip the same speed i ran uh, geekbench on both the 8 and the 10 and they're the same okay so there, it has a lot of things in common of course nobody's upgrading from the 8 well there is somebody out there who's upgrading sure. from the 8 to the 10 and they bought an 8 and then 3 weeks later they're going to get a 10 okay fair but 99% of people will be upgrading from a previous <laughs> model that, that's that's true although those the, that's the review unit on my real one but um but it you know it is it is most of what is in the 8 plus some of some things that are unique to the 10. So it shares a lot of the advances that the 8 had. The wireless charging, the inductive charging is another example of that. The, the processor is the same. Um, the camera, the, the, the zoom camera, the telephoto camera is subtly better, but not dramatically, just subtly better. Let's in a little more light. Um, has the OIS, which actually means that in low light settings where sometimes on the plus models, um, when you're zooming in, in a low light setting, they will actually, even though you're zoomed in, the software will actually, um, it'll keep that zoom, but it'll actually flip over to the other camera. I don't know if you knew this, but this is something that happens sometimes is you're zoomed in with a, with, with a, uh, uh what you think is an optical zoom, yeah. but it's kind of dark yeah. and it'll be like, I'm going to use the, Digital, a digital zoom instead on the other camera because it's got image stabilization. And so it's going to be a better image, even though it's a digital zoom because of the image stabilization. On this camera, they both have image stabilization. So that'll be, you'll get better kind of low light stuff going on. So it's not doing the swapping. Uh, I think, I think, I mean, it may, but it has less reason to. Um, and then let's not forget the biggest thing here is if you're somebody like me who has never bought a plus phone because they're too big for them, this is the first small sized ish iPhone to have the two cameras set up. So I'm going to have the two cameras set up in my pocket every day for the first time, which is very exciting. Yeah. It's a great life. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, last thing. Now, I'm I'm only asking this because people want me to ask it, and I'm sure you don't have a good enough answer for it yet, but I'm going to ask a, it anyway. That's a great reason. That's a great reason. People want to know is a great reason to ask a question. Battery life. <laughs> well, Mike, I'm happy to report that I've had the phone for less than 24 hours, and I haven't run out of battery because I've kept it charged. I have nothing to report. I, I wanted to ask it because people will wonder why we didn't, but I know you haven't had enough time. Yeah. And, and also the first setup of a phone kills the battery. Like it's it's not a good test. Exactly. We'll report back on that next week. Because it's doing spotlight indexing and it's downloading apps and yeah. the whole the whole thing it got. It was definitely when it was doing the restore, it was, it was chewing through battery life. So that's going to be a long-term thing to watch. Uh, given that Apple is confident enough to quote two extra hours of battery life. And Matthew Panzerino, who had the phone for a while, he had it for a week mm-hmm. at, tech, at TechCrunch. Panzer says that it lasted longer for sure. Great. Um, and I, I read, I think the BuzzFeed review, Nicole said that it was interesting the way she phrased it, which is like, you can't get through two days with it but you can get through more than one day was her takeaway, which is awesome. If that's, if that's the case, that's it sounds like there's that more too. that, that there's more, you know, this is not a two day phone battery, but we may be getting to the point where with the 10, it really truly is an all day battery. All right. So, I mean, this is kind of it for the review. Is there anything you wanted to add? 
I don't know. I mean, you read you read my review while I was sleeping. Mm-hmm. Sure did. <laughs> um, more app updates will help. Yep. You know, that's that's some of that's some of what's going on here. And we're going to know more about that over the next few days, right? Some of those apps are going to start to come yeah. out over the next few days. Um, obviously, we'll have more to say next week because one, you'll have had a week with it, and two, hopefully, I have one as well, and we'll have had a, a long weekend with That'd it. Be nice. So, um, we'll, there will be more about this next week. Now, of course, we did have our listeners send us in Ask Upgrade questions, and I have a selection of iPhone ten Ask Upgrade questions, uh, which we're going to do just after our final break, where we thank Blue Apron for sponsoring this week's show. They are the number one recipe delivery service with the freshest ingredients. You can get $30 off your first delivery and free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash Upgrade. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone while supporting a more sustainable food system. They set the highest standards for ingredients and build a community of home chefs at the same time. Because for less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron will deliver to you seasonal recipes with fresh, high-quality ingredients to help you make delicious home-cooked meals in 40 minutes or less. Every Blue Apron recipe comes with a step-by-step card, which is all the information that you're going to need. All of the ingredients are pre-portioned and split out, so you get everything that you need for each each recipe you don't have to add to it you don't have to like have a bunch of waste you're going to get just what you need and you get a recipe card that explains it i'm telling you right now this will teach you how to cook you might think that it won't but i promise you that it will you're going to learn skills from cooking these recipes that are going to help you know how to cook better and that is a great thing cooking can make people happy it makes me happy when i cook and blue apron will be able to help you with that by shipping just the right amount of every ingredient that you need for a recipe, Blue Apron reduces food waste as well. Their freshness guarantee promises that every ingredient in your delivery arrives ready to cook or they'll make it right. You can choose from a variety of new recipes every week or let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. Right now, you'll be able to cook meals like shrimp and pesto fettuccine with spinach, which you can do in just 30 minutes. They have a customer favorite meal, which Blue Apron wanted to bring back for their customers, which is seared chicken and roasted full vegetables of caper butter pan sauce. No wonder it was a favorite. Or you could even grab something like black bean and cheese tortas with roasted broccoli and lime sour cream. Oh boy, it's too close to dinner for me right now. There's no weekly commitment, so you get those deliveries when you want them. Try Blue Apron today. Go to blueapron.com slash upgrade to get $30 off your first delivery and free shipping too. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So go to blueapron.com slash upgrade to get started today. We thank Blue Apron for their support of this show. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Time for some iPhone 10 Ask Upgrade. Infrared dots. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what it is now. Lee wants to know, uh-huh. Jason... Have you had any accidental touches with the palm of your hand as you hold the device? Because, you know, maybe your hand is like stretching over to the screen more than it would normally. Have you had noticed anything nope. like this? Okay, great. Nothing. I mean, I assume that there's good edge detection and stuff like that in there. You know, I, they've I hope learned so, how to yeah. do this with the iPad over time. That's true. James wants to know, do screenshots of the iPhone 10 black out the notch and the rounded corners, or are they just rectangle squares with everything there? They are complete rectangles, which means the notch is not there, nor are the rounded corners. Because um, if I didn't mention it earlier, the other thing about this is that there are lots of rounded edges to this phone. It is not perfectly square. The The, the screen ends in these rounded edges that match the rounded edges of the, the device. But when you take a screenshot, it's a rectangle, which is why, like, if you look at my video, what I ended up doing was taking a photo of the iPhone, um, cl- em- emptying out, basically erasing the screen portion and making that transparent so that I could put my screen recordings behind it and have it look like it looks on the phone. 
because the raw screen recording or screenshot will be rectangular and you'll miss the notch and you'll miss the curves in the corners. Kyle wants to know, how does the steel feel in the hand compared to the aluminium? How do those two materials kind of stack up when you're holding them? Well, the the, the aluminium is um, is like the... I don't know. It's it's less shiny, right? It's this. It's less shiny and less tacky because it's um because it's that it's that aluminum feel that Apple does so well. The stainless steel doesn't feel like that. It's it, it it's like going from a uh, an aluminum Apple Watch to a stainless steel Apple Watch. Basically, it is um it is much smoother and it's a little more grippy because it's so smooth that your fingers just kind of like stick on it a little bit more. The stainless steel is more grippy, you're saying. Yes, okay. you're right. Whereas the aluminum's got that kind of soft feel because it's been blasted by whatever they blasted with, little beads or whatever, to give it that feel. So it's it's a different, um, it's it's a, a shiny instead of matte, basically, I think I would say, in, in terms of the feel. But it looks great. How grippy is the glass back versus the jet black aluminum, asks Mahir. I'd say that they're comparable. Okay. Um, I think I think this is and the eight, right? I mean, I think the, I think they're all pretty pretty comparable. Um, the aluminum frames may be a little less grippy because they're um, because they are that blasted aluminum, and so they're a little bit less um, less uh, uh, tacky. That whereas this thing is uh, the the stainless, you know, is more like the grippiness of the glass. So that it, it's more it's got more in common with that. Um, so that's, yeah, that's my take on it. Paul has asked, is there a setting to allow the iPhone to unlock and go straight to the home screen rather than having to swipe up on the lock screen? So I asked about this and I think the answer is no. Although I was kind of hoping that there was a, um, that there was a, uh, like an accessibility, an accessibility mm-hmm. feature, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I don't think there is. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, the reason Apple doesn't want to do that is that Apple wants you to be able to look at your notifications sure. and use that interface because that's a useful interface too. Like app picking isn't the only thing you do when you, um, when you pick up your phone. Sometimes you look at what your notifications are and they build that notification interface to be pretty robust. So, um, and it's got widgets and all that stuff. And those widgets now, when you look at them are unlocked right they they if you tap them they will just like notifications too they'll just take you where you need to go because you're looking at the phone face id's already unlocked the phone so you look at a notification and tap it and you don't get one of those oh yeah you need to put your fingerprint on the glass before we continue instead it just opens and and moves along its way so i haven't seen a place where you can get it to uh just jump to the home screen Um, i'm a little surprised by that but there it is Andrew wants to know, in your experience, does Face ID work well outside and in bright rooms? Nilay Patel at The Verge had issues with this himself. Uh, I have used it more inside and in dark rooms than outside in bright rooms. I need to spend more time. I got to go walk the dog. So I will try, I will try it and report back and we'll, we will see. Yeah, I, I would imagine that if you're backlit brightly by the sun or something like that, it might have a challenge even with the infrared of uh, having you be kind of swamped. Um, but I haven't experienced a, a touch or a face ID failure yet. But I have not. I've been doing a lot of stuff here at my desk and not out in the world, which I will be doing hopefully soon. 
Mr. Espresso asks, which screen is better for just reading text in something like Instapaper or iBooks? Is the OLED of the 10 or the LCD of the 8 Plus? What's more comfortable? Mr. Espresso. Is this Federico? <laughs> no, actually, this is the best I could get from the Twitter account. I like contrast. And the nice thing about the OLED is that the blacks are really black and the whites are really white. So you should be able to get a very contrasty thing. It's also much higher resolution, which means that the text should be clearer. Um, it is OLED and not LCD, and those are not exactly the same. But um, uh, my guess is they're both fine. They're both great. I'm not sure one is going to be better than the other. The OLED might be better, but it might not matter. I, I've read things on both of them. They both seem great. And finally, Matt asked, I have a 5S, so any upgrade is going to be a big for me. What features should push me towards the 10 instead of the 8 plus? Um, 8 plus. Okay. Uh, that makes a difference because I was going to say dual camera, but that's not it. So what features should push you toward the 10? Uh, the screen being bigger, you know, big high resolution screen, you know, the, the A plus has a nice big screen too, but this is a nicer screen and, uh, face ID, you know, sort of like going, you know, not having to worry about it at all and just it unlocks when it sees you. But, you know, as we wrap this episode up, it's worth saying this is a 999 US dollar phone. This is a... This is a pricey phone. My review is, the, you know, tomorrow's iPhone today. This is what they're doing. We theorized about it when the rumors about this phone were out there earlier this year. And this is the case is you're, you're buying the cutting edge first generation of a whole new way of thinking about the iPhone and you're going to pay a premium for it. And if things like Face ID and having the smaller uh, smaller device but still has the dual cameras and the OLED display which is very very nice if those are like well those are nice but is it worth another $150 um, if you start to have those questions or I guess it's 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 the A plus right so it's not quite there's a there's there's still a gap there right um, is it 150 I don't know what it is uh, it, but if you if you everybody's going to have to decide for themselves. This is not the iPhone 10 is not a phone. Every person who has an iPhone should by default buy. Right. I mean, like you need to look at what it offers versus what the eight and eight plus offer and make a decision about whether it's worth the extra money. And I will also say, as I said, when I reviewed the iPhone eight, which I also, we didn't even talk about that. My, I wrote a review of the iPhone eight last week after all this time, because I spent time with it and I was thinking about it. And the short version of that review is, for a lot of people, like the 8 is going to be a great update from the 6 or the 6S. It's going to be a great update, and it's going to be really familiar. It's going to be the same shape. It's going to be the same iPhone. My wife has the has the 8 now, and it's like, it's really great. It's fast. It It's it's the size and shape and behavior that she expects from an iPhone. The iPhone ten is not that, right? It's not quite the right size. It's not the right behavior. It's got a lot of new stuff in it. And uh, so it's not for everyone. Uh, for our audience, it's probably for a lot more than you'd expect. And then you got to look at the price because it's expensive. And those features may not be worth it. And over time, those features will probably come down to the rest of the product line. But that's the future. Today, it's the high-end, cutting-edge iPhone. And uh, and so you, you're going to have to decide yourself whether you want to be a part of that or if you want to save some money and get something that's got um, a lot of the same features, not all, but a lot of them, and is in a much more familiar package. All right, that's it for Ask Upgrade today. Um, I wanted, just before we go, to have a little bit of follow-up, just one quick thing on iPhone X bumper cases. So I mentioned that that's what I'm looking for. I want a bumper case for my iPhone X. 
And there three listeners have sent in three different cases to me. So Rapscallion sent in a case by Incase called The Frame. Uh, Will sent in the Rhino Shield Crash Guard. And Kai sent in the D-Brand Grip. These are all uh, bumper-like cases that are coming for a couple of phones, including the iPhone X. The one that I want out of all of these is the Incase Frame. Um, so I'm keeping my eye out for when that's going to be available for me here in the UK. That's the case that I want, I think. It looks really nice. Uh, I know it in case do good stuff, and it's a bumper case, which is exactly what I want. So it'd be a shame to not see the stainless steel, but uh, that's probably what I'm going to go with if I go for a case. Um, I honestly hope that I won't want to have any case on it, like I'm going to feel comfortable in holding it. Um, I am going to buy AppleCare Plus because the screen yeah. replacements are so expensive. I was going to mention that the, the replacements for the screen and the glass and all of that on this are much more than mm-hmm. on other iPhones, much more to the point where even even me, even the guy who never buys Apple Care, I'm thinking I'll probably buy Apple Care for my for my ten, like because weirdly, it's like too much. It's, it's two hundred and seventy nine dollars uh, for the screen, five hundred and forty nine dollars for the back, out of warranty. This is I think this is because of the charging stuff. I think that's why it's so expensive. Yeah. So yeah, Stephen Hackett did a good uh, kind of. He put some charts together on Fight Talk. Scary. Put that in the, in the show notes. So I'm going to get. Yeah, it he sold sold a lot money. of Apple Cares with that. Story. I bet he did. He should have gotten an affiliate <laughs> for that because <laughs> I bet that's why I'm buying it because of those charts. All right. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Upgrade. We hope that you've enjoyed it. We're going to be continuing our iPhone 10 coverage next week um, as we will both have had time to spend with the devices, hopefully, knock on wood, that I will get one. We'll see. We'll see. Who knows? Nobody knows. Um, and uh, if you want to get involved with the show, there's a couple of ways you can do that. Um, you can follow me and Jason on Twitter. Jason is at Jsnow, J-S-N-E-L-L. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. You can send in questions for the show. We take hashtag Talk questions to open the show and hashtag AskUpgrade questions to close the show. Ask Upgrade a serious question. Snell Talk are a little bit more entertaining for us to uh, get things started every single week so we jump straight into the action. Jason writes over at sixcolors.com where you can go and read his review, which you should, and I'm sure, Jason, you're going to have more coverage of the iPhone X um, over the next couple of days, I would expect. I guess. Yeah. Your guess is as good as mine. It's unknown what you're going to say, right? Because you've written the review, but I'm sure there'll be things that you will want to talk about. Maybe there's going to be some apps that come out. Sure. But you should go stay uh, always stuck to Six Colors um, for, yes, the, for the latest news because it's a, it's a great website that Jason puts together. Um, I want to thank Blue Apron, Bombfell, and Encapsula for their support of this week's episode. And most of all, I want to thank you for listening. If this is the first time you've listened to Upgrade, Please subscribe to the show um, if you enjoy it. This is we're as good as this every week. If you think that, and if you haven't enjoyed it, <laughs> then you're probably still not listening. Um, but until next time, Mr. Jason Snell, say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye.